but I thought you needed a green thumb to make it work. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of 40ish. This is where John would say something snarky. Just about to say, now how do you go through the introduction without being interrupted? I don't know. This I, is new territory. I, I might need a moment because gather, gather. I, I I don't I don't know what to do with myself. I think I'm done. I think I'm out. Thanks for listening. Right. Hope everybody has a great night. We'll see you. So, uh, running with a different crew tonight. I'm joined by uh, regular Mr. Andrew Tucker. Hi guys. Hey, and uh, we're actually joined by a friend of mine. Uh, how would you describe it, Matt? Forced friendship. We became friends because our kids are forced. friends. Isn't forced. That- that's not forced. Well, I mean, now we're good friends. It's a I mean, kinship that's grown over time. It's a kinship. Yeah, that's a pretty good word. That might be that might be too advanced for me this yeah. late night. I don't know. You're my IT guy too. You're yeah, my family. Right. Oh, my okay. family IT guy. Right. That's exactly how this rolls typically. But uh, so no, we're we're joined by Matt Freeman. Uh, so Matt's been a sales rep for 21 years for the Ball Seed Company out of West Chicago, 110 year old family business, third generation owners, and the largest distributor of annuals, perennials, and other greenhouse needs to commercial greenhouses. So they're selling to the big guys that you buy from. Mm-hmm. Uh, lived in from Chicago. I definitely kind of want to talk about Chicago too. Uh, and previously worked in commercial landscaping. So Matt Freeman, welcome to 40 ish. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. So before we get into the talk of plants and frankly, Chicago, because I'm a huge Chicago fan, we've talked about yeah. this before. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are? Uh, in regards to anything, your family, what, well, yeah, we turn uh, ons, turn offs. I don't care. I actually grew up in the Chicago area in the western suburbs of Naperville. And, um, you know, you love Chicago because you never lived there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, love, I love to visit there. I don't want to live back there after living in Michigan. Um, yeah, my, in, uh, 2002, we got the nod from my company to move up here to Kalamazoo, Michigan and, uh, sell the commercial greenhouses. So I've got four children at the time we had a one-year-old. Now she's, uh, going to be 18 this summer, which is crazy. So she's the oldest of four. We've got a daughter, Sydney, who's 18. Molly is, uh, 16 and Nicholas is, uh, 14 and Addie is 12. So. We spent a lot of time with our with that between work and um, raising teens. That's that's about all I'm about these days. Professional running from place to place. Although now that your kids, some of them are old enough to drive, some of that has been uh, alleviated from yours and your wife's uh, workload, right? Yeah, it's funny that you know one of the things I realized raising kids is when you're when you're they're younger, uh, you watch the progression of money. You know when you go to your first Babies R Us and buy a stroller. And then we end up spending all of our money at Target and then transferred all of our money into Dick's Sporting Goods. And now I spend all my money at mechanics. So we have teen cars all over uh, the driveway. All they do is break. So that's pretty much where our money goes these days with the mechanics. Hmm. Makes, makes me think of the, when I, uh, I know with my car, when we used to drive over to Moody's house, his dad wouldn't have let us pull it in the driveway because of the oil. Yeah, I am big on that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, oh, that has not changed. <laughs> they all recoil. They he was not thrilled with that at all. So yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to start with the Chicago question. Yeah. So you said we all love Chicago because we didn't live there. So as a native Chicagoan, 
Um, what is a question you're tired of answering when people are going to visit and they know you're from there? So you, they always ask you a particular set of questions. What, what's one you're tired of answering? Like you, you just feel like you've had it with this particular question that you might throw someone for a loop on purpose because you're done with it. Everybody always wants me to say hot dog. Really? Yeah, like all the time. Hey, say hot dog. They're like you say it different, and, and I don't know what that is, but I do get that a lot. You know, they, oh, the, gu the gun thing always comes up. People want to, you know, you know, get shot over there all the time. Or, you know, yeah, it's funny because huh, Chicago in this area, though. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, I travel a lot for work, and I, I go to countries all over the world, and um. Chicago is still my favorite city by far. I mean, it's, I love Chicago. I just, living there, you're just kind of living in a rat race. You know, it's just you know, it's all about, you know, getting to work. And it takes two hours to get to work, two hours to get home from work. And you listen to the news 20 times a day and road rage. I just, I don't miss any of that at all. Hmm. That's fine. I never felt unsafe in Chicago. And I've walked no. through the Cabrini Green neighborhood. I mean, I never, I don't know. I might be naive, but I never felt unsafe. Yeah, we used to drive down there in the back of a pickup truck through some pretty shady neighborhoods, <laughs> and that was always uh, uncomfortable on our way to Greektown as a kid. So there you go. Um, yeah, there's areas to go in and areas not to go in, and, and they might get a bad area and not even know off of Luck Street or something like that. But most, you know, where tourists are going, mostly on Wrigleyville and the Loop and. Navy Pier and Water Tower, those are all good places. Pretty heavily traveled. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. we were we were there a couple weeks ago. Uh, we stayed in Oak Park and then made our way downtown uh, Saturday uh, on a Saturday. And the we decided to take the scenic route into town, which was a mistake because I think we went through one of the um, probably not recommended areas. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember what the Oak Park I thought was really cute, uh, nice area, but I'm trying to think where we I went were. through Evergreen Park, probably that area, Evergreen Park or uh, Summit. Summit sounds about right. Yeah, yeah it's it pretty rough over there. But interesting, talking about Kalamazoo and and flowers in Chicago, and when you go up and down uh, Michigan Avenue in Chicago and you see all those nice uh, planter containers along road and, and Richard Daly was really big into flowers so he's done a lot for our business um, but all those plantings there all the high-end containers you see the, the mums in the fall those are all grown at Winky's Greenhouse which is here in Kalamazoo so hmm. they ship a ton to the Chicago landscape hmm. you know it's kind of interesting to, to think about that that there's always been a connection with West Michigan and Chicago everything back from you know gangsters of past and the uh, high and mighty of Chicago coming over and having their lake houses along, you know, St. Joe all the way up into Holland. Mm -hmm. Right. That to think that um, something as iconic as as those flowers would come from Michigan to come back. Um, that's that's interesting. I never even never. Yeah, it's huge. And, and Southwest Michigan's always been known down in Benton Harbor. It used to be a main port for uh, produce production. So they had uh, they had markets where all the uh, all the farmers, truck farmers, would bring their produce to, uh, to Ben Harbor, and they would negotiate off of trucks and you know cattle and buy from each other. And it was it was it was quite a booming business, even back in the in the seventies. And that's kind of died down hmm. now with grocery distributors and things like that. But I mean that's how they got a lot of that produce 
into Kalamazoo or into Chicago market. Like Kalamazoo was a, before the greenhouses were here, it was uh, all celery. So Kalamazoo was the largest producer of celery in the country. And um, they, they would box this celery up, ship it into Chicago. Uh, mint was big around here. There's, there was fields and fields of mint. The AM Todd companies here and they press a lot of those mints into flavorings and things like that. Hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of history of produce in Southwest Michigan, which has led to the greenhouses. You know, when, when celery, what happened is they ended up getting a um, um, disease or they got beat out in the market from California and, and Mexico. But they all had these little starter houses they'd start celery in. So they decided to get into flowers and one person did it and they'd sell flowers on the corner of the street and then another person would put up a greenhouse. That's why if you come to Kalamazoo, there's a there's, there's hundred greenhouses on three streets over on uh, off of Sprinkle Road. Mm-hmm. And on the north side, it's kind of the same thing. They were all celery farms that, that transitioned into the flower business over the years. So all that produce used to go into Chicago. Now all the flowers go into Chicago. It's still a big, heavy market for us as a Chicago market for gardening. Hence, hence the celery flats and all that. I mean, I know that the, yeah. the region's always been good for specific produce. I mean, even now, if you go farther west, you've got your, your blueberry farms. And your- yeah, there's, I mean, there's $53 million of the blueberries being produced in southwest Michigan. Hmm. And that's like, the, that's like the top five in the country. So, I mean, there's a ton. And a lot of that is packaged blueberries that goes into the frozen market. A lot of that in your freezer section, you get bags of blueberries that people put into their smoothies and stuff like that that all that's from southwest michigan so hmm. yeah it, it's pretty impressive you go down there and you know we got tart cherries and peaches and you know all that and and all those farms that are producing that stuff somewhere down the road uh either a, a cousin or a son or, or a daughter somebody decides to put up a greenhouse and so it just created this huge uh bedding plant industry in in southwest michigan and actually at one time and back in the, in the early 80s, Kalamazoo was responsible for 10% of all the bedding plants in the U.S. So that was back when people would put in big gardens and, you know, large victory gardens and, and you know, a lot of those bedding flats. Well, nobody goes out there anymore and plants a bunch of flats in the ground. Now it's gone to container gardening. So any hmm. baskets, containers is really where gardening is these days. Not really these big beds of impatience. That's changed our market quite a bit. Yeah. So explain to me what a bedding plant is so I have a better understanding. Uh, okay. So a bedding plant would be something you'd buy like in a flat. Uh, if you go to the store and you see those flats of flowers like petunias or impatience, where there's usually like 48 or 36 in a flat. Mm-hmm. They're like all these little packs. And you can usually buy them by the pack or you can buy the whole flat. And typically that stuff is put in the ground in big beds. So people used to carve out big beds. You'd go up and down the street and you'd see – you know, huge beds of impatience and petunias and marigolds and all that stuff. You don't really see that anymore. Um, and that's, it's kind of hurt us being a seed business because, you know, the seed numbers um, go down. So it's caused us to develop a lot of products that come out of, uh, they come from cuttings instead of seeds. So when you produce a plant from cuttings, you get, a, you get better colors, you can bring it to market faster you get uh, bigger flowers, better foliage. And so that has led us to transition from seed production, which is typically done in, it was done in Southern California, India, Chile. And now our actual, um, most of our production is done from cuttings, vegetative cuttings, 
that we take on a farm in Costa Rica, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Colombia, and we ship them FedEx into the greenhouses and they plant them. So most of the plants now are being used for Mother's Day is still our huge weekend. You buy a hanging basket for your mom, it's huge. Memorial Day, you're having a party, you want a big patio graduation party, you put a big patio on your front porch, back tech. That's really where the market's gone. So hmm. it's quite a bit for us. Hmm. So I have a couple questions before I get in mine, Andy, you wanted to, uh, we were talking about, um, you know, basically starting from, if you have, uh, so Matt knows where I live. We live in the same city, right? And I wanted to kind of talk about, cause you're talking about these bedding plants and huge flats of things. And how, where do you start when you're looking at a, a, a viable area, which mine needs to be weeded and cleaned out and get the moss, whatever. Is the first thing to go scientific and get like the soil tested to find out what it'll support? Or is there a specific set of hardy plants that you should start with? I, I just, I'm totally lost when it comes to this stuff. I've only had my soil tested once in the, in, since I've been gardening in the last 25 years or 30 years. Mm -hmm. And that was actually last year because I have a set of pines at my house where I wanted to put azaleas in there. Azalea is like a very acidic soil. I wanted to make sure it was acidic enough for those, for those azaleas. So I did go to Waddell's in town, and Waddell's does a soil sample testing for it. You could bring in a big bag of soil. Now it was acidic enough. It was perfect for that, so it was excellent. But I, I've never had to do that before, and I wouldn't recommend that to anybody, especially starting out. I mean, the best thing you can do, if you want to, Plan a, you're talking about planting a bed in your yard or you want to cut some of the grass out and make it a flower bed? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, I've got all the area around my, my front door where we've landscaped, landscaped a little bit of it where we've put down. Yeah. Pulled all the yeah. mulch, but it's largely shaded. I mean, that's what my worries are. Well, it's you get morning sun. So yours, your front door faces east. Yes. I know that because I stalk your house <laughs> and your windows and stuff like that, but... So your front door faces east, and what that means is you're getting morning sun, and then you're getting afternoon shade. So you want to look for plants that would do well in partial sun, a partial shade to sun, okay. which is actually the best place in the house to plant flowers. So, and it always gets confusing because when you go to the stores, you see sun or shade on the label. Mm -hmm. it, really, it really should say east or north or south or west, because if it's the north side of the house, it's going to be full shade. If it's the south side of the house, it's going to be full sun. If it's the west side of the house, it's going to be full shade. But the east side of the house gets morning sun and then cools down in the afternoon, which is kind of ideal for most plants. So with your area there that you have, and I've seen it, I would take all that mulch out. And then what, one thing you want to do is you want to amend the soil a little bit. So a lot of times what happens in this area is we get, we get a very clay soil. So when you start digging, you get these big clumps of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would get a bag of peat or a bale of peat moss, and I would work that into the soil, making it a little wet with the, with the hose, and just work it in a little bit. The, a lot of times you go to the store and they have like, uh, they call it garden soil or topsoil, which is those really heavy, mm -hmm. dark flag bags. That stuff's horrible. I wouldn't put that anywhere. I don't know why they sell it. Um, I like a lighter soil. So... I like to stick to brands like miracle Grow or uh, uh, Purell is a good one or um, Day Green's a good one. But they have, what you want to look for is a uh, 
a container soil or a, a bark blend mix, or it'll say something on the bag like that. And what that will, it'll give more air into the soil instead of just putting that lumpy topsoil out there. It's not going to do any good anyway. So hmm. The best thing I think you can do is just get a bag of peat moss and work it into the soil with a hose, and then you're fine. So once you got that done, then you got to just choose what's going to grow there. And, you know, you decide if you want to do annuals or perennials or a little bit of each. And, you know, that's, that's the easy part. But I, I don't think you need a soil test or anything like that. Okay. You know, yep. that kind of stuff makes gardening not fun. And you're, it's supposed to be fun, you know. I mean, gardening is a relaxing thing to improve. It improves your property value. It improves curb appeal. Um, you know, it's, it's fun to do. It's great exercise. It's time spent with your kids or grandkids. You know, when you start doing soil tests and that kind of, I mean, that's not fun. Nobody wants to do that. I, I kind of associate uh, a well-maintained flower bed along the same way I look at a made sleeping bed. Like if you walk into your room and it's the bed's like made and everything's put away, you just kind of like, oh, it just feels right. You come home and you're just seeing right. house like that. It's just. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was, um, there's a house that's still in the corner of my parents' subdivision that uh, they were out there regularly tending their yard. And it always looked, it looked like it was competition ready if that was something you did. And now my uh, my wife has quite the green thumb and knows what goes into gardening. So I've mm -hmm. learned some, but also realized that you, you put in, well, it's going to look as good as the amount of time you put into it. So yeah, we're, it's not just one weekend of weeding for the summer and we're good. So it's pretty regular and we do, um, we'll get a shipment of mulch in the late spring, early summer to put that down because we had, we had landscaping areas picked out and then not nearly enough topsoil. So everything we put yeah. in first season we lived in this house died. Uh, so I think we had four yards of good topsoil delivered yes. that we spread around and spent uh, a yeah. good five days uh, backbreaking work to put that in. But uh, so yeah, it's knowing what you've got to have that good base. But it took, uh, there is a really good greenhouse that's out on, on the east side of the state that um, they will sit and answer any questions you had. And I think they would probably run a soil test, but uh, a lot of ours has been trial and error because uh, we've got low-lying areas and wet areas in our, our yard too that we mm -hmm. lost uh, some bushes and at least one tree because they drowned and we had no idea. Yeah, drainage is a big part of it too. And, yeah. and there, there's been areas in my house where like right now on the side of my house, uh, it's really wet. I kind of, I got a little... Uh, little John fishing boat parked there but it's really wet and I plan on digging that out and there's actually a drainage box you could buy at Home Depot or Lowe's or where Menards and you, you actually dig out of the ground you put you put this box in and then you take a drainage pipe and you run it about four feet in each direction and then you bury it with peat with uh, pea gravel mm -hmm. and and then dirt on top and then plant your grass and then the, the, the water and those low-lying areas will help drain that whole area and I, I just I've known to do that from commercial landscaping, but I mean, that's a, okay. a basic thing you can do to kind of um, help that drainage area. But, I mean, it's like, it's like you said, putting all the topsoil, it's, gardening is a lot like cooking. If you start with good ingredients and, mm -hmm. you, and you do the preparation ahead of time, it's going to save you a lot of time later. Um, and, and there's a lot of stuff that, you know, sometimes we're afraid. We think that plants won't grow, but you know, it's pretty hard to, to kill stuff unless you've got something really bad going on in your yard. Sure. 
Uh, Jay, can I get us away from uh, uh, the plant questions for a bit? Yeah. Um, so have you been in gardening or landscaping as long as you can remember, Matt? Uh, you know, I was thinking about that one time because I was trying to think how I got into it. And I think uh, I remember going to Wisconsin as a kid. My grandmother was really into, um, she had these planters all around the house, like these, she planted marigolds and petunias all around these uh, planters, one around the whole house. And I used to sit out there and do it with her and she'd show me how to do that. I mean, I, I, I don't know why I got into it. I, I went to school for environmental biology and botany and, and mm -hmm. chemistry and I came out and I wanted to, I wanted to work in commercial landscaping and uh, um, we were grafting trees and things like that. And uh, that didn't work out. I actually got fired. It was a, a fantastic story how I got fired. Oh, wow. Yeah, because you, I've run into guys that maybe are running their own businesses right now, but it was something that they worked on a crew when they started, and they were 15 years old, lugging trees yeah, you know, all over the place. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly what I did. Kind of Same story, thing. it sounds like. Yeah. Same thing. When I was in high school and college, I worked for a, a lawn care company oh. out of uh, Naperville, and I used to trim bushes and do little landscape jobs and mowing lawns, and I did all that stuff. So okay, I've, I've always liked doing that. A well manicured yard has always been um, something I've really been interested in. Oh yeah, it 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 really says something, and it's noticeable. It's like Jay said when uh, you walk by a nicely made bed, it's very satisfying. So when your 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 lines are straight and you don't have oh stuff yeah, I'm, the edges, I'm big on the straight uh, lines. Big on the straight lines. Yeah, yeah. See, I had a problem because I have a curvature to our road, and the fact that they just repaved last fall, and there's a good. Um, I don't know, two feet of frontage on the entire part of my front of my house that's churned up to death. Like the, the grass oh. is gone. And I think yeah. it's that or the snow plows. Yeah. Oh, yes. Plows probably catch on it. And mm -hmm. I got to figure out how to get. And, and the city uh, fixed a lot of people's yards from this. Mine wasn't one of them that they chose mm -hmm. to do. So I got to figure out how to get that grass back. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, I just did an area in the back of my house and I was surprised. I, I bought some sod. I had a small area and uh, a roll of sod, which, uh, how much do you think a roll of sod is? Yeah, no roll, I don't even know where you buy sod. Okay, so you go to Lowe's and they, they sell it out front at Lowe's or Home Depot. And if you get a roll of sod, it's like, uh, it's like uh, four, foot, four foot by a foot, maybe. Mm -hmm. Carpet, you roll it out. I thought they were like a buck a piece. I went there, they're $7.99 a piece. It cost me- Wow. 80 bucks to cover this little area, but you know, it's instant. It's, it's like, you know, my wife didn't want to wait for seed because the dogs get out there and their feet are getting muddy and she wanted it done. It was a small area. So it, it was $80 with a sod to do a small area, but I mean, I would never do a whole lawn. I don't know how people could do that, but um, you know, and there's some tricks in the trade with the lawn too, that um, are very simple things that people can do in the spring. I and mean, I, I don't spend a lot of time, putting chemicals on my lawn. I don't, uh, you know, the one thing I, I do believe in is early on in the spring, as soon as the snow melts, like I did it right around St. Patrick's Day usually, you get out there and you put down the Scott's Turf Builder uh, crabgrass um, preventer. You've got to get that on right away. Because if, if you don't get the crabgrass preventer on by the middle of March or end of, or end of March, you're already too late. And a lot of people don't realize that. You see people this time of year, they're out there 
you know, with their spreader, putting that out there. But the the the, the crabgrass seed is already established. It's already germinated. It's coming. And by the time June and July comes, when it dries out, you have a yard full of crabgrass. So I try to make it for sure in March, middle of March, and put that crabgrass down hmm. uh, for winter. And you got to do it when it's wet too. So yeah, you, you do it right after a rain in the morning. And you get out when the grass is so wet, you put that down, and it'll fill it up. You get a lot of problems. Um, the other thing I do, you talk about the color, Jason, is uh, I, I put lime down, bags of lime, which actually raises raises the pH of the soil, and uh, you'll get darker green grass. So, and that's real cheap. Uh, bags of lime are like next to nothing at the at the store. Okay. So I'll, I'll spread that on the lawn too early, and that's pretty much. I'll do that and then I'll feed it. Maybe, maybe I'll, I might come back and feed it in the summer. I usually don't. And then I usually feed the Scott's root builder in the fall, like October. But other than that, I don't, I don't put anything else on my lawn. I still think I need to put uh, grub X down because I get grubs like crazy, or at least I used to in the old house and, uh, um, uh, with moles or, um, uh, yeah, the voles or moles. Yeah, I mean they've they've wrecked ha worked, wreaked havoc on my side, my back lawn already. There's, re I mean, I was mowing the other day right before it snowed. Yay, Michigan! Uh, <laughs> where there's just giant ridges that I'm walking and crushing down mm -hmm. the tunnels, and I'm like, oh god, it's just, yeah. it's just one thing after another. I hate it. Yeah, I I don't do anything for grubs. I don't aerate my lawn. I don't put chemicals down. When I was a kid, you talked about having jobs. One of the jobs I had was uh, one of the chemical companies, and I was on a on the, on the phones when people would call in when they had problems with the chemicals that were sprayed in their lawn and people would call in they'd ask like you know oh, I got a river in my backyard is it going to be okay and the, and the, the manager would, would whisper to us it's going to be okay it's going to be okay and never felt really good about that and the way they handled that um, I don't like putting chemicals down on my lawn I don't I don't like putting any chemicals at all. I don't use insecticides I don't use any of that stuff I think that you know, building, when you're talking about the beds and putting the right soil in it, the mm -hmm. whole idea is to build a living environment in your soil where you get a lot of earthworms and bugs and things in that soil that are doing their job. You don't need these chemicals, you know. So, um, I, I don't put a lot of that stuff on. All right. Um, you were talking about getting the mulch out of there. Like mulch is such a beautiful thing, costs a lot of money, and we didn't do mulch in the front of our house. We switched over to um, – Riverstone, like pea gravel and Riverstone. Yeah, can, you help, can you help us? I mean, people, they sell you mulch everywhere. You assume it's a good thing because it's got the reds and the darks. Can you uh, talk to me about the difference or talk to us about the difference between having mulch that I know breaks down versus, you know, gravel, which I think promotes better drainage? I, I just don't know. Yeah. We, we switched to it and I don't know. Well, mulch, the key, the key to mulch, mulch is, um, Mulch provides nutrients to your plants. It provides uh, a weed barrier, and it also is a moisture control so your plants don't dry out. So you want to buy mulch from a good mulch place. And I will say it right here on your podcast, don't ever, 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 ever buy that mulch at a gas station. Good to know. Those pallets of mulch, I mean, you know what it is? It's chopped up pallets. They chop up pallets, put it in a bag, and sell it to you. And then you wow. go put it, and then you go put it in your yard because it's cheap, and the breakdown process of that work starts and it stops 
it robs all the nitrogen out of your beds. So as the as the wood is breaking down, it steals nitrogen. So you want to go to a reputable place that sells mulch. Having it delivered in bulk is usually a great way to go. Mm -hmm. Usually getting it from a local supply house or a, a landscape um, depot or, or some, somebody that knows what they're doing. And what they will give you is they will give you a composted mulch that's already breaking down before you get it. So then all it does is add nutrients to your plants instead of robbing them from your plants. So it's a huge difference. So mm -hmm. these people that see all oh, great deal on mulch and you see, you know, they, they'll start in mid-March, they start dropping pallets at all the speedways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're right. They got red, they got black, they got all that stuff. I, I do not touch that stuff because all it does is ruin your plants. And it's, it's unfortunate that we do this as an industry because we're frustrating people in gardening and they think it's something they did. You know, I mean, you think the pallets are out there, I should probably buy that. Well, you kind of get what you pay for. And when you see that, when you see that that's a dollar a bag and the, the good stuff, the cypress mulch at um, the Menards is, is $8 a bag. Well, there's a reason for that. It's like anything else. Yeah. So, you know, as far as gravel, I, and that's what I've done at my house is I've gotten away from the mulch just because my wife doesn't like all the mulch dragged into the house with the dogs. And the sure. And so I have, I have river rock all the way around my house. And I really don't plant a whole lot in that river rock. What I'll do is I'll set out containers of plants on the river rock. So I get the look, a color of a display. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's really how our business has changed where it's not really gardening anymore. It's more like decorating, outdoor decorating, outdoor living space. You know, you have somebody over for some cocktails on the back porch. You want some nice containers on your patio. I mean, that's, it's, it's easy. Um, it can get more expensive because you're buying higher end stuff. But I, I don't I don't plant anything in the in the river rock. I just put containers right on all the way around the house. And then at the end of the year, you're done. You dump them out, put the containers away. You can do the same thing the next year. So think about that. <clears throat> That's a lot smarter idea. Yeah, really. And I, I have one customer of mine. I went to his house and he took uh, he took the actual containers and he buried them in his in his river rock around his house. Mm. So then every year he buys a container, he drops it right in. It's just, it's like dropped in, hmm. in, in the hole. Pull so out then, the old one and put it in the new one? Yeah, yeah. So he has containers in the ground, and then he just drops a new container right in there. Then he can switch them out. You know, you got a spring plant, and then you got pansies, and you go into, you know, wave petunias, and then you put in some, you know, mums for the fall, and, and hmm. he does it that way. And I, it's kind of a good way of doing it. But, it is. So Matt, do you have a couple different hats? Are you you're working for Ball as well as landscaping? Is that a side hustle? Did I, did I understand no. that the right way? No, I used okay. to. Okay, I used to it years ago, and and no, I, I worked just for my company. So okay, okay. Before I worked for my company, uh, I used to do commercial landscaping in Chicago, and uh, after right right out of college, I worked there, and I was driving a um, trailer up uh, Route 59 in Naperville. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows where that is, but it's a very busy four-lane road. And I had one of those, you know, those huge like uh, landscape trailers, the yellow ones. Sure. Yeah. I was going to pick up a backhoe because I had a, a Class A license. And uh, I didn't hook up the trailer right. I dropped a trailer on a four-lane highway. Whoa. Rush hour traffic. So, uh, needless to say, <laughs> after uh, 
almost causing a major accident. I was uh, asked to let go. So it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. So yeah. I found my company in, um, in, in West Chicago there, the Ball Seat Company. And I've worked with them since for 21 years now. Exclusively. Are you, are you a road warrior? Or, because when I, not to stereotype, but when I think of sales, I think of people being out uh, on the road. I know Jay for a long time was a, a pretty much, a, a, he was a road warrior. I'm just kind of curious, you're in the same boat right now. Yeah, but my, you know, when I started for my company, I used to cover the whole state of Illinois and I was, uh, I was basically in hotels three to four nights a week, every week. Mm-hmm. Now, since we moved to Michigan 16 years ago, um, you know, everything is right here. So okay, good. my father's customer is 40 minutes away. So I don't have oh. any overnights. That's yeah, um, much nicer. It and like. it's, it's not cold calling or anything. And my customers have all been, they've all, they're all third generation families that have been buying from our third generation family for years. And, you know, my products is what sells, not me. Got it. Although his travels are exotic when he hits up, you know, uh, Nicaragua or Costa Rica or, Oh yeah, El Salvador, or uh, you know, but you just went to Holland, Jason, yourself. Yeah, yeah, I, I was at we we were at the Kuchenhof Gardens for the tulips. Uh, that was mag- yeah. amazing to me. I've never seen that much color that had very little to no aroma. Hmm. I mean, well, that's interesting. I never thought of that. Like, because tul- tulips don't have any aroma. You know, and that's a great point to talk about the breeding and where it's gone. I mean, a lot of the breeding in tulips or roses or some of these other items that you remember as a kid, you used to walk up and you had a big smell to it. A peony flower smelled or mums even smelled or mm-hmm. you, know, you have smells from your childhood. Well, we used to only have three colors of every variety. So now we have hundreds of colors of those varieties. A lot of that stuff's been bred for years and we bred so many colors into different flowers we've actually bred the scent out of flowers. Mm. So, wow. Tulips you're talking about, they used to smell, but now they don't smell. And the roses used to smell roses in your grandma's garden. Mm-hmm. You buy roses now, and you're like, these aren't roses. They don't smell like roses. Well, that's, and the sacrifice to that is, you know, you get better varieties that hold up better, disease resistance, better colors, bigger flowers, but the scent's been bred out of them. And there's a big push right now to breed scent back into flowers. I, because it's good memory. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Of course, there's a house uh, across across in the neighborhood across Kilgore from us, uh, where I walk past, and their flower display is it's magnificent. Right now, it is. I don't know what the snow did to it. Magnificent, like there is every color. But there was a very pleasant but pungent aroma walking past that house. The and I don't know if it was. I, there was hyacinths. Yeah, it's probably them. And I don't know if it was just because of the sheer number of flowers or if it was because those particular flowers had a strong enough scent. I mean, I'm in the middle of the road and I'm catching stuff that's all the way up at their house, a good 30, yeah. 40 feet away. It's probably the highest sense because at this time of year, if you've got a big display of color, and most of it's from bulbs they planted, either daffodils, tulips, hyacinths. Uh, and the hyacinths are really aromatic still. So mm. That's probably what you're smelling. Yeah, I mean... Mm. And I'm going to plant tulips bulbs this fall for the first time in my entire life. So we'll see how that how Labor that holds Day. up. Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend. Yeah, after Labor Day weekend is when you want to plant your bulbs. And, okay. Uh, you know, a trick that I learned they had these uh, 
large auger bits that you can buy at the box store, Home Depot, whatever. And uh, you hook it onto a drill and you can drill all your holes with that big auger, plant a ton of bulbs. Ooh, that's helpful. Yeah, I got a ton. I like that idea. I got a ton coming. They're being shipped yeah. from, from the Netherlands. So nice. Um, that's the real I, stuff. That's the real stuff, right? That, that was the idea. It was the, the intent was a, a souvenir that gave back every year. That's the hope. If you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. That's what they say in our business. <laughs> <laughs> my, my concern with these and any money I'm going to spend on anything that's going to grow is uh, live along the creek. The woodland creatures are aplenty. I mean, I just came home from the Y with my son this evening because we were out playing racquetball. Um, and there were four deer standing in my driveway. <laughs> Those deer will have a field day with your tulips. So, do I need to sit out there with a paintball gun and just be like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can have tie dye deer? I have, I have not found a way to stop the deer. I mean, it's, it's, well, there is one way that, that I had an old farmer tell me one time you take fishing line and you string it. So if you want to protect an area where you plant a bunch of bulbs, you put like uh, in the ground or something. And then you can tie a fishing line, a clear fishing line, about two feet from the ground around those sticks all around the area you want to protect and then do the same thing about four feet high and when deer and i've tried it and it does work the deer when they bump into that fishing line they get all freaked out and they bump up they will never touch plants mm. so i mean that's the only thing i've found you know they talk about irish spring soap and uh you know uh human hair or uh, coyote urine or whatever i mean who wants coyote urine in their yard but um well, who doesn't <laughs> I haven't found any of that to work. I mean, I've I've used things, I've peed on things. and (laughs) It's like the urea stuff, the (laughs) animal urea that it's supposed to be a really good natural ice melt. Yeah, it's called back a two-hearted and try to... to, I don't have a drinking problem, I'm protecting the tulips. No, but that fishing line does work and you can't see it from the road. Um, it It is good, especially to get things established. Hmm. may have to consider that as well yeah so i've got the current conundrum is i've probably got an eight by eight section of my front yard of um let me back that up the summer after we moved in we had sod laid and then our sprinkler system failed and burned Mm. there's a, an eight by eight patch that's in the yard that still doesn't grow in lush like other parts can I put topsoil on that or does the lime work? What kind of recommendations? Yes, I would, I would go over with a, I would go over with a layer of topsoil or whatever that good soil is you're buying mm-hmm. and kind, of, kind of rake it through. So it's nice and even. Okay. And then get some grad seed uh, right about mother's day, Memorial okay. day weekend, sprinkle some grass seed on there, keep it real wet for about a week, get the stuff really wet and then just let it grow. Okay, good to know. And then, yeah, that was yeah. <clears throat> it. Was a suggestion that I wasn't quite so sure. Eight by eight, you, could, you could do sod too if it's uh, not a big area. Well, that's it, it. It is only eight by eight, but it's not. It's kind of patchy. There are some other areas. That's what we did. Is we we yanked out that topsoil, but I don't think when the the that we yanked out the burned sod. I don't think there was enough topsoil put down when yeah. we replaced that sod. So it's somewhat of a divot but uh yeah just kind of even it out and then oh do you roll your yard 
I don't. You know, okay. my fa- good to know. My father-in-law just rented a roller. Or he just bought a roller. I don't know. It's, he rented or he bought a roller because he didn't want to rent it, and he just rolled his yard. And I've heard of people doing that. Our old neighborhood used to people used to share, and they all rolled all their lawns at once. Yeah, and I've never done that. Okay, good. I go around my yard with like a wheelbarrow full of dirt, and uh, if there's if there's holes in the ground that are or whatever, I'll where the dog is going to the bathroom. You know, I have a female dog and a male dog. And by the way, the female dogs are the ones that leave a burn ring in your yard. Mm-hmm. The, the male dogs don't. So, hmm. uh, and there is something you could buy for the dogs that's at the pet store. You could sprinkle some on their food, and it'll change the pH of their of their urine, so it doesn't burn your lawn. That's available too. I've never done that. Ever. But I'll, I'll take a wheelbarrow full of dirt and I just go around the yard and. I'll, I'll fill in all those spots. Okay. I'll grab a you know a bag of grass seed and, and just sprinkle it out there. I, so I, do, I do that every morning. So not that really deep black soil, just the good. Yeah. Soil. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You no. Know. And you can really do anything. All right. Super. Gra- grass is pretty. I mean, grass will grow in anything. So it'll, it'll grow in sand. It'll grow in clay. It'll grow in dirt. Um, yeah, well, there there are areas we have a lot of clay here, but there's also um, just kind of one and a half streets over there is the the nursery that I mentioned. They've got where they grow their trees is right out here, kind of surrounded. The name of it? Did you say that? Uh, yeah, it's Wegans. Oh, Wegans, yeah, they're yeah. good customer ball. Yep. Okay, good. Yeah, uh, nice people. And yep. they, um Not that I I know them personally, but yeah, is they're in the, is in the Troy area or up in. No, that's uh, Macomb County. Macomb. Where's uh, that? I don't know the counties over there. Oh, it's um, the furthest east of the large. So if you're talking about Macomb, Oakland, and Wayne that surround oh, okay. that make up Metro Detroit, it's the furthest. It's northeast of Detroit. Northeast of uh, Detroit. Okay. And it borders. Um, part of it butts up to Lake St. Clair. So you get out there and you're looking at Canada. Canada. That's where uh, Kid Rock's on his 50 foot Ponzi. Mm-hmm. Lake St. Clair. Does he yeah. sing about that? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, um, he's got, I'm trying to think, I've, I've heard he has a house not too far from here. Um, but I, it's second, third hand stories at this point. But uh, yeah, it's. You're not hanging at his house all the time, Tucker? Sure. Why not? He yeah. owns like that. Mr. Clarksville, Richie, right? The town of Clarksville, isn't that all his stuff now? Clarkston? Clarkston. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's the. That's a beautiful town. I never knew that was up there. Yeah, um, I gotta think. I, what's the? Um, he's got the restaurant there, and I've got coworkers that that will it's kill right me downtown. Yeah, the yeah. former church, isn't it? Yes, yes. There's a church and there's a restaurant right next door. He owns both. Yeah. Uh, the Clarkson Union Bar. That's it. Nice. Yeah. Did With you this... Google that, Jason? Oh yeah. Damn it, quick. <laughs> well, you know, I've got three monitors going here. I can have everything up and ready at any moment. Jason's okay. my go-to guy. Just so I mean, I I don't have. I am so technologically in- inadequate. I I, I can oh, do it. I, I can't figure. I can't figure out my wireless in my house. So have Jason come over and you know, and that's that's how funny gardening is. It's you guys talk about this stuff like it's so hard. It's easy to me, but like Jason thinks I'm an idiot when I call and talk to him about wireless set up in my home, or I didn't even know what a fire stick was. He had to tell me what that was. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm yeah, streaming now. I'm streaming. Yeah, we we broached that subject a few years ago because I did get tired of opening that Comcast bill and crying. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, people say, well, did you miss this and miss that? Mm, not, not too much. Um, Cut the cable. You don't miss anything. No, really. really with, I've uh, had cable for a, a couple years and I just did a whole uh, football season of YouTube TV, which was great. Uh, and then they upped the price and bye. Yeah. And I've, I've become aware of, do they call it subscription creep? That, um, you know, you sign on and it's not like you're paying them by check. So you, yeah. you watch that credit card statement because, you know, if we have the three, it seems like we, well, we do Netflix, Amazon Prime and Hulu. And that seems to be pretty popular if you're like building your own package. But then if you're starting to get into the Fox Sports 1 or um, what else did we pick up? Uh, CBS All Access and then mm-hmm. Disney come out with theirs that all of a sudden you might as well be paying the cable bill bingo yeah if you're if you're dropping uh eight or nine dollars what's hbo go i think that one's fairly spendy or the uh sling tv there you're starting to really get back into your old tv bill yeah the uh direct now that jason suggested that uh i think when we talked back then it was 30 dollars a month my wife just asked me because there's a 50 dollar charge so they they just raised it 20 dollars without us even knowing Mm-hmm. but it's it's all automatic so you don't see it yeah yeah, yeah and it's yeah it's, it's that creep you have to watch out for that's why in my budget i create um i've got a, a large category of stuff called sinking funds so that when i get hit with that like amazon prime annual bill you're like oh yeah i forgot right yeah i i take the total cost divided by 12 and every month i put whatever is required well what is required i'm looking at that too because yeah. they just upped it. Is it one twelve a year now? Yeah, something like that. So every month I put away ten dollars and fifty two cents. So that yeah. do I'm not shocked by that anymore. Yeah, exactly. Nice. My thing is all right, so uh we're getting close to the end, Matt. So I'm gonna ask you my toughest There's... question. Well, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I just um, I wanna I wanna name a couple key plants that every yard should have. Yeah, um, that's so that's part of my question. Is, <laughs> is, it's like, um I don't think most people can go for a whole summer and just totally redo all their bedding. You know, oh. all the, I mean, it's, it's just financially you'd be broke and I would kill someone most likely kill someone. So my question is going to be in, you kind of went that direction was where should I start? What's going to give me the most bang for my mm-hmm. buck in terms of money spend or time or visual like satisfaction. Like when you mow a lawn, it takes time, you sweat, you have your beers, but when you look at it, it's done and it looks nice. I want that kind of effort and result in in some flowers or plants that I would start with. So you know what makes your wife go crazy? Yes. <laughs> That's why she's my wife. You ready? You ready, boys? You ready? Any wife. Any wife. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Edging. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You're talking Edge about like plastic edging. I hate no, 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 no. What do you mean like an edger and cutting along the driveway and along yep. the sidewalk and along the walkway to the house? Like super, super clean cuts. Makes them go crazy. Okay. Mm. Yeah, Chase I have. I think my dad has the old-fashioned one that's like a pizza cutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he's got one that I might have to borrow. Yeah. yeah. There's something every time I edge, my wife's like, "Oh my gosh." Yard looks so great, and it's really just edged. It's nothing, you know. Because it takes a, like uh, you set it for like a quarter of an inch or something like that, and it just takes a chunk out of the whole thing. Yeah, well, it cuts it. It cuts it where the cement is or the driveway is, mm-hmm. but your grass isn't coming over the sidewalk. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you go on a walk around the neighborhood and you see some houses and the grass is half grown on the sidewalk, well, you just edge it. Just 
it just makes it look so clean to edge that. So yeah. That's one thing. But so that's one thing you do is you get out there and edge your lawn. Yeah, that really helps. Um, mailboxes are a big thing. Like if you can do a planting around your mailbox, you know, it's it's real simple to do. And you know, I, I'd say a few a few plants um, well around the mailbox, or if you wanted something in the beds around a shady area or whatever so if you're in the shade you want to implant impatience nothing beats impatience in the shade it's really simple you do buy them in those flats we were talking about before mm -hmm. very low cost um you plant one every 18 inches you'll have a full bed of beautiful color um i will tell you if you're in a high deer area they eat those like it's candy so mm. guard them um if you want something full sun we have a product called Wave Petunia. I don't know if you've ever seen it at the stores. It comes in a pink package. We have a whole marketing page on it. Um, but if you go to a garden center and you see something in a pink pot, because we have a patent on the pink pot, that's a Wave Petunia. And the way we describe it is not your grandmother's Petunia, because these things, these suckers, you put them in the ground, each one of them is going to spread four feet. So you might be paying $4 a pot, but each one's going to spread four feet. So it's like a hosta does? Uh, this is a, like a ground cover type thing. So okay. ground okay. cover of flowers. So uh, they're called wave petunias. And there's, there's wave.com. There's a website. There's YouTube videos on the planting of waves. Um, so it's, it's, it's our biggest brand that we sell. Um, the other one that's fantastic is, is begonias. Begonias are really good for the shade and for the sun. So if you want to plant begonias, there's one called dragon wing. Dragon wing begonia is outstanding. It will, it's one of those, if you had a container of dragon wing begonias at your house in August, your people would be stopping and knocking on your door saying, what is that variety? What is that? Mm. Because it's, it's just unreal. And are these, uh, so wave petunias, easy to find. They're a common easy thing. Every, okay. every garden center box store out there, you'll find them. Same with the dragon wing uh, begonias. Dragon wing begonias, yeah. Hmm. Okay, all right. So those are two key items. And then impatience is the other one for shade. So if you got a full sun area, get some wave petunias. If you've got some shady areas, get some impatience. If you want something to go, you're not sure either way. Dragon wing begonias. So, what about where do you stand on creating uh, plantings around the base of a tree? You know that's. That's, that gets to be really hard because there's certain trees. First of all, black walnuts mm -hmm. actually um, they give a plant inhibitor out from the roots. So if you ever see a black walnut tree, you can't get grass to grow around it. A lot of people always complain that it's bare mm -hmm. it's because that tree is killing everything around it. Hmm. So if you have a black walnut tree, you'll never get anything to plant around it. Right. It actually produces plant inhibitors out of the roots. Um, but, you know, a lot of times it, it depends on the tree. Like if it's a, uh, if it's a um, pine tree, you know, pine trees um, give off acid from a lot of the pine needles that come around the tree. So that means your pH is going to be a lot higher. It'd be harder to grow stuff there. Um, maple trees are notorious for sucking the water out of the ground. So whatever you're going to plant under that maple, you're going to have to really, really water it or get a good mulch in there. Uh, hostas are always really good for underneath trees. Um, again, deer's favorite is a hosta. They mm -hmm. love that stuff. Hmm. Um, okay. 
sell it. So, yeah, oh yeah, they go crazy. <laughs> so it just depends on what, I guess it depends on the kind of tree and depends on how shady it is underneath it. You know, if you're, if you're having trouble growing grass in that area, that's why I've done a lot of uh, under trees in my house where it's so shady, you can't grow a good amount of grass. You just cut all that out and put some pastas in or something. It'll be a lot better. Plus, it's less to mow. Yes. But you're yes. not mowing. I mow. What? You don't mow? I, I mow. I mow, too. I love mowing. I normally do. It's the time I put my own music on my headphones and just kind of crank it out. But sometimes I'm like, you know what? Screw this. When I was in fourth grade, I was mowing the lawn. Why? Why is I've got two sons. Why don't I make them start doing it? Right. Are you guys pushing or riding? Pushing. I push it. Yeah. Wow. It's self-propelled, self but yeah, still. Yeah, self-propelled. And I live on an Indian burial ground worth of hills. So. Uh, yeah, you do have a lot of hills. It's. Oh no. Ours. When you're done, you're aware of it. You're, no, your cows are screaming. If I'm not, um, if I'm not bagging, I can probably do the front and back in just under an hour. I don't have a big yard. Same I don't bag. Same I, haven't, I haven't bagged in years. Oh yeah, it's, it seems like every other I'll bag. Yeah, that sounds like a line from a movie. I haven't bagged in years. I haven't bagged in years. Although that does make me think I probably need to either sharpen or replace the mower blade because I, I haven't done that in years either. Yeah, uh, ours is on its last tooth and seems like it has one functioning wheel, so it might be time for a new, an upgrade you anyway. You you can get carried away with all this stuff. I mean, you can spend, you can spend anything you want on your yard. You know, I mean, I, I, you just, you know, that's why things like, you know, the way petunias where you can just cover a whole area with color or uh, around your mailbox. Created a little square with some uh, landscape timbers. I got it at. Uh, at the store yeah you know, they were they were a buck 50 a piece they're really cheap like two dollars whatever it was and i just you know with some dirt and i planted um yeah i don't know i mean uh yeah there's just there's simple stuff you can do the biggest thing is containers just you know just you know make some nice containers up and just put them on your front porch or put them on the back patio or yeah, I like the idea of the yeah. arborvitae trees or like big. Oh yeah, planting. Just put them on the on the corners of the of the cement slab and just yeah, kind of a thing like that. That would look really nice on your front door. Yeah, the nice tall ones on each side. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe I'm thinking of. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I learned a lot, and I appreciate. Yeah. yeah. I uh, so I've got a small shopping list of of wave petunias and begonia dragon wing begonias. Uh, two things I didn't know were things. So I just I'm not I'm not good at like looking at a flower going that's a so and so. Same with yeah. trees or birds. Or well, and that's a, we're we're doing a lot of packaging to kind of call that out. Yeah. 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 No, I, I'm I'm down with it. So, well, my thanks to Tucker for joining us uh, as always, and Matt. Tucker, yeah. Thanks so much for spending the time with us and educating us. So if we we obviously can't buy direct from Ball Seed. So, um, where is it? Are you guys found are your products found pretty much the result anywhere we're going to shop in the Midwest here? Our products are found anywhere that, are, that sells plants. So, whether it's a grocery store or a uh, box store or your local independent garden centers, you'll find Ball product there. So, okay, good to know. And I went through the whole episode without smirking when I said ball seed. Yeah, you know, I, I should have brought one of our red ball sacks. We hand those out. <laughs> that would have been perfect. Would have been perfect. So, 
Well, excellent, gentlemen. I appreciate the time and hope everyone has a great night. And if I don't talk to you before, I'll catch you in the next one. Thanks. All right. Thank you.